0: You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Go ahead and open up your Bibles, Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8. Warm greetings to you, very warm greetings to you this morning. Uh, We're going to be in Mark chapter 8, starting in verses 14 and following. And so tell me this, how many of you in this room wear corrective lenses? All right, so uh, some of you, I can't see them, so I'm assuming contact lenses, contacts, glasses. All right, how many of you, um, as a result of your age, have needed to wear corrective lenses? I've been to wear my whole life, right? All right, I get it. And you put it off as long as you can. And you're like, I don't need glasses. I'm like, mom, come on now, right? She's playing the trombone over there. What is going on? You see, growing up, um, I remember going to the eye doctor. And I know this is going to sound funny, but I used to get a little bit of anxiety going to the eye doctor. Okay? And you're like, why would you have anxiety going to the optometrist? You see, well, we used to, we used to say this joke to one another. I'm like, hey, do you study for your eye exam? All <laughs> right. Remember that one? It was a classic. I know it. I didn't invent it, but I mastered it. And so we would always say, hey, did you study for your eye exam? And we were joking, but like legitimately, I got stressed about the moment where they would pull the glasses over your eyes and they would click it back and forth, right? And what was the famous question they would always ask, right? Which is better, one or two? One or two. See, and you might be like, oh, that's easy, right? No, for me, I was so indecisive. You see, for me, I got so stressed out because I knew if I said the wrong answer, I was going to have to live with bad glasses. And so, man, my optometrist, she would get so frustrated with me. She's like, it's not hard, just one or two. I'm like, let me see one again. Uh, go back. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? that one? And I'd like have this commentary. I'm like, the W looks a little bit fuzzier on two, but on one, the B looks really crisp. So I don't know. I just... I would stress out. One or two? Which one can you see better? And so, you know, they finally, they get the glasses down over my face and they bust out the E chart. And I don't know about you, but this is bad for me, all right? I only know that the top letter is an E because it's called an E chart. It's that bad. Like, seriously, I'm as blind as a bat. It's bad. I wear contact lenses, right? Like, if the, if the optometrist switched it to the B chart, and didn't tell me, I would think that was a B, all right? And so they're going through this process. You know the drill. They are trying to diagnose the condition of my eyes. They are trying to understand how well I see so that they can provide corrective lenses. And so that's bad for me. I can hardly see anything. But the optometrist, he walks over, and he touches my eyes with this machine. And everything comes into focus. Everything becomes clear. Ah, I can see the light. And it's not because the picture changed, is it? It's clearer. It's with greater clarity. It's in more focus. But how many of you know it's not because the picture changed? It's because my ability to see changed, right? Right? This morning, I want to talk to you about an e-chart, but it's not a physical e-chart. It's not the one that you'd find at the eye doctor. What if there was a spiritual e-chart? How would you guys feel about that eye exam, huh? How well is your spiritual sight? How many of you can see spiritual realities with twenty-twenty vision? All right. How many of you are that enlightened when you see it all? How well can you grasp ultimate reality and really see what this world is all about? How well can you see what life is all about? How strong is your spiritual vision? How well can you see what Jesus is doing and who he is and what he's all about? I wonder if there's anybody in this room this morning that feels like they need some corrective lenses, but spiritually speaking, see, friends, we've been in Mark for a long time now, and this morning is no different. Jesus has come in the flesh, and he is living among spiritually blind people. He is in the midst of a spiritually blind people, and no exam is needed, no e-chart is needed for us to see just how bad their spiritual sight is. Or just how bad our spiritual sight is for that matter. And so Jesus comes this morning to us like an optometrist. And he says, let me touch your eyes. And by the end of this eye exam, by the end of this eye appointment, people, hopefully including us, people will leave seeing more clearly than when they arrived. Anybody want to see clearly this morning? Sing the song, right? I can see clearly. That was in my head all week long the soundtrack to my sermon preparation. I can see clearly now that Jesus has come, right? Come on. That's why I leave the music to the big dogs, all right? Friends, do you want to see clearly? Do you want to understand spiritual realities? Do you want to be able to look at this world and see what is what? Do you want to see the light? So do I. And so let's take a moment, let's pray, let's ask the Lord by the Holy Spirit to untop our eyes, to unmuffle our ears so that we can see and hear him clearly. Lord, we come to you this morning, Father, with no grand illusions as to the nature of our spiritual sight. Lord, straight up, we need you. We need you to touch our eyes. And so would you, by your Holy Spirit, lift the veil? Would you, by your Holy Spirit, show us who Jesus really is, what he's all about. Show us who we really are, Lord. And may we not harden our hearts to the truth. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. And the church said, amen. All right, friends, Mark chapter 8. We're going to dive in, and we're going to see two things this morning. We're going to see the condition, and we're going to see the cure. We're going to see the condition, and we're going to see the cure. And so let's look at the first scene where we see our first point. It begins like this. Now, they had forgotten to bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Let's pause there. This is scene one. In our first scene, we see the condition clearly, friends. The condition is this, blind eyes and hard hearts. Blind eyes and hard hearts. And so we pick up the story with our disciples, and the disciples are on a boat. They are in the boat, fresh off of an encounter on one side of the lake that was not very pleasant. You see, they are coming off of this conflict with the Pharisees. See, Jesus and his disciples, they were in the midst of the Pharisees, and the Pharisees kept asking for a sign. Give us a sign. Prove it. And they're challenging his authority. But we saw last week that the problem isn't a lack of signs. The problem is the fact that they're spiritually blind. And they will remain blind because they don't come to Jesus in faith. They come in hostility. They come in opposition. Why? Because Jesus is calling them out. Jesus has confronted their hypocrisy. He has exposed the fact that their hearts are far from God, that even though they are working to maintain an image of godliness, their hearts are far from Him. And they don't like that. I wouldn't like that. You know what I mean? Let's be real, right? They don't like that. And so instead of responding in humility and faith, they get defensive and they lash out, and they harden their hearts, and they reject the truth, and so they don't get it. They don't see it. They're blind. It's the Pharisees. And we may be tempted here to go, oh, man, I can't believe them. Oh, my goodness, those Pharisees. But listen, before you look down your nose at the Pharisees, what does Jesus say to us? He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of herring. Any bakers in the room? All right, three of you. All of you are invited to my house as often as you want, okay? And you can bake delicious, delicious confection. So if you're a baker, you would know that this is a powerful word picture here, right? Leaven, think like yeast. Even the tiniest little bit of yeast, even the tiniest little bit of leaven, once it gets into a batch of dough, it will eventually spread and permeate the entire lump. And so what Jesus is saying here is beware of the attitude that has infected and permeated the Pharisees and Herod, because that attitude can infect you too. None of you are immune from what the Pharisees are struggling with. And so he says, watch out. Beware. Don't assume. Don't take it for granted, friends. Beware. Pay attention to your heart. Be vigilant. Take care that the same hypocrisy, that the same arrogance, that the same hard heartedness doesn't affect you, too. None of us are immune. And so beware because a person with that posture cannot understand Jesus a person with that posture cannot see Jesus. They'll remain blind. And so this is an important lesson, agreed? This is a very important lesson for us to know about the Pharisees. But the disciples don't get it. They hear the word leaven, and they think Jesus is talking about lunch. You should laugh. Like, this is straight comedy in the book of Mark, all right? This is not like, oh, wow, what an unfortunate misunderstanding. Like, Mark wants his readers to chuckle. Can I get a chuckle? Ha-ha! He's talking about leaven. And they think he's talking about lunch. They start talking about the fact that they had forgotten to bring bread. And you're supposed to go, (laughs) what? For real? They hear him talking about leaven, and they begin discussing the fact that they left their leftovers on the shore. You know when you go to Olive Garden and you leave your leftovers on the table and you're like five minutes down the road and you're like, you think they still got it? And they're like, nah, fam, that waiter ate it a long time ago, right? Jesus just fed 4,000 people and they left the leftovers on the shore and all they could think about is, man, we got no bread. (laughs) What? This is an unflattering scene, okay? I, I love when people talk about how The Bible's not real. This was just a bunch of men who gloss over history to make themselves look good. Who's looking good? This is a, a point for the historicity of Scripture, guys. Like, they are often not portrayed in a flattering light, but it's included on purpose. You see, they're trying to make a point here. Mark is trying to make a point, and the point is this. They don't get it, right? The point is this. They don't see it. He is trying to engage them with spiritual truth. He is trying to teach them about the kingdom of heaven, but they're not seeing it. And we go, "Uh uh-oh, are they as blind as the Pharisees? Is this not what Jesus just started to warn them about? And so what is Jesus going to do with these guys? How soon before Jesus gets to redraft his top 12? You know, like how, how much do we have, how much leash do we have to give these disciples before we just cut our losses and go, you know what, man, better luck next pick. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't walk away from them in frustration. Jesus is a teacher and he is always seeking your growth. Jesus is a teacher, and he is always seeking your understanding. And so he leans into this moment. He creates a teaching moment here for the disciples. And let's just pause and say, thank you, God, right? Thank you, Lord, that when Jesus diagnoses something in us, he doesn't just walk away and leave us to ourselves. When Jesus sees something in you, he doesn't give up in frustration. He doesn't walk away. No, he's a teacher and he loves you. And he leans in here and he puts his finger on the areas of growth and he speaks to them. Jesus is a teacher and he shines a spotlight on the areas of your life that need to grow. And in love, he confronts it. He addresses it. Friends, he who began a good work in you, he who left the comforts of heaven to come to earth, he's not going to give up with a halfway done job. He who chose you before the foundations of the world, he who brought you into the family by grace, he's not stalled by your lack of understanding or insight. He's a patient teacher and he leans in to address it. Classes in session. You got your notebooks? class is in session. And so what does he do? He speaks. And he says, excuse me, disciples, what are you thinking? No, no, he doesn't say that, right? That's what I would say. He goes, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? For real? Guys, 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 how could you possibly think? How could you possibly think that I'm talking about bread? I fed 5,000 people. How many leftovers did we have? 12 baskets. Cool, next question. I fed 4,000 people. How many baskets did we have left over? Seven baskets. And you're worried about lunch? You're sitting here with the bread of life and you think I'm talking about lunch? You see, friends, they are present for the signs. The Pharisees are asking for the signs. And here, the disciples are present for the signs. They're in proximity to Jesus. And yet they still don't see it. And Jesus, he puts his fingers on the real problem. You see, the disciples are struggling with something more serious than a failure to remember. What we're seeing here is a failure to comprehend. The disciples are not suffering from a bad memory. They're suffering from bad vision. And so Jesus leans in here and goes, Disciples, are you like the Israelites? that ezekiel was warned about are you like the people that ezekiel was sent to when god said hey son of man warning you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house who have eyes to see but see not who have ears to hear but hear not they were spiritually blind people and jesus is saying is this you are you like those who have eyes but don't see and have ears but don't hear? Are you too spiritually deaf and blind? Do you perceive? Do you not see? This is what he says to the disciples. And notice his question here in the midst. He says, are your hearts hardened? Wait, are we talking about their eyesight or their heart condition? Yes. Yes. Because these are two sides of the same coin. Blind eyes are the result of hard hearts. If you harden your heart, if you intentionally close your spiritual eyes or stiff arm the truth of the light, you will not see, no matter how many signs there are. He says, Disciples, are your blind eyes the result of a hard heart? And this question is not out of left field. We've already been told in the previous chapter that they had hard hearts. Do you remember their bad attitude at the feeding of the 5,000? You remember how they gave attitude to Jesus and they didn't like to be corrected by him? They didn't want to care for those people and he exposed their lack of compassion. And instead of receiving that truth, they said, huh. And we learn here back in chapter six, they did not understand about the loaves. Why? Why? because their hearts were hardened and so jesus is following back up on that dynamic he's like hey are your eyes blind because your hearts are hard this is the condition friends hard hearts and blind eyes disciples are you missing it Are you not seeing this? Are your hearts hard? Are your eyes blind? And friends, the answer from our text is clearly yes. Yes, it is. But don't roll your eyes at the disciples. All right, guys, come on. Don't roll your eyes at the disciples because in this scene, they are all of us, aren't they? God is at work all around us, period. The creator of the universe is working. He is present in this world. But all of us are born as those who have eyes but can't see it, who have ears but can't hear it. Even if God were to stand in front of us and put on flesh, we wouldn't get it. We wouldn't get it. You ever read the Bible and you go, man, but if, it just, if I could see what they saw, slam dunk, right? No, you wouldn't. Because they are us. We are the people that God can feed thousands of people dozens of times in our life, and we're still sitting here in the boat going, Am I gonna make it? What am I gonna do for lunch? How could I possibly make it through this one? They are us, guys. Welcome to the club. You don't walk into a church because you're enlightened and you see everything clearly. We all have come here because we are spiritually blind, left alone. The disciples don't see it. Left alone, none of us see it. Welcome to the club. Here's our condition. The eye doctor has spoken. Blind eyes and hard hearts. Don't WebMD it. It's brutal. Because these are symptoms of spiritual death. And so what's the cure? Will the disciples ever see is there hope for their blindness? Is there hope for mine? In a masterful move that only Jesus could orchestrate, he's going to answer those questions by bringing forward the next patient for his eye exam. Imagine you're in an eye exam and you're and you're wrapping up and the optometrist ends the exam with this. You're like, "Is that good?" what does that mean? And he goes, as a matter of fact, I want you to stay here. Next. And he keeps you in the room while he conducts the eye exam of the next patient. You're like, there's some HIPAA laws at a minimum being violated here, right? But it's Jesus. So we're good. Check out scene number two, verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. And so we've seen the condition, blind eyes and hard hearts. Here in our second scene, we see the cure, multiple touches from Jesus. And so we're in the second scene, right? And some people, they bring to him a blind man. And all of us go, ah, (laughs) right? This is called irony, right? We just saw a scene of blind men. (laughs) And so we know by now in the book of Mark, that Mark gives us the miracles that he does because they are like visual aids. He shows us these miracles because they are like walking illustrations of who? Of us. This is what we're like. And so when the scene of Jesus asking his disciples, do you not see, is put right next to a blind man, we get it. Do you get it? Do you perceive? This is the latest illustration of what we're like and of what Jesus has come to do. And so Jesus, he takes this man by the hand and he walks him out of the village. And just like he did for the deaf man, (laughs) he spits, he puts spittle on the man's eyes, showing where he's going to touch him. And we went over this a few weeks ago, right? Jesus is anointing the man but he's not anointing him with medicinal salve. He's not anointing him with the latest and greatest essential oils that money could buy in the first century. He's anointing him with his own substance, showing that the source of healing is Jesus himself. And he touches the man's eyes, showing him where he's going to heal and how he's going to heal. And we go, yes, Jesus, heal this man! anoint him we've seen jesus heal many many times we know how this is going to end right well there's a twist there's this unique detail that catches our attention because he touches the man's eyes and then like a good optometrist he goes one or two do you see anything now what do you see and he spits on his eyes he laid his hands on him he says, do you see anything? And the man's reaction is startled. He says, it's still fuzzy. I, Jesus, I, I, I see light, but it's dim. I see people, but they're fuzzy like trees. I, yeah, I, I could see, I, I think. And so what does Jesus do? He lays his hands on him, Again. And after the second touch, he saw everything clearly. Okay. <laughs> All right. We've healed him. All right. Let's move on. We'll see you guys next week. Have an awesome week. Love you. Read your Bible. Love Jesus. Love people, right? And you're like, uh, excuse me. Time out. I, I, no, I, don't, I don't mean any disrespect by this, but I just couldn't help but notice that that man was only partially healed after the first touch. Jesus, I don't, I'm not, hey, I'm not God. I wasn't there at the beginning of creation. I get it. But I was just wondering, like, did you fail? Did you make a mistake? Jesus, his sight was restored, but it took two touches. The veil was lifted, but only partially. The blackness was sent away, but only a little bit. Jesus, is everything okay? We got, um, we, we were pulled over on the side of the highway once, not by a cop, but there was this crazy noise coming from under our hood. And so we're on, um, we're on the highway heading into DC to see my in-laws. And it's just like, like right under the hood. And we're just like, what in the world is that? And so we pull over the car, right? And and I look under, I'm like, is there like a branch we're dragging? My wife's like, yeah, a metal branch maybe. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I'll look under the hood and I pop the hood and I lift it up and I put the stick and I do what every man does in that moment on the highway when he's looking under the hood. I look busy, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I'm like knock, literally, I'm knocking on stuff. You know what I mean? I'm like jiggling, jiggling things. And I'm like, try it again. As if I've done anything to imply that the second situation might be different than the first, right? And what are you doing? You're jiggling, you're troubleshooting, you're experimenting. You're saying, I have no idea what I'm doing, but you know, let's see if we can crack this thing, right? Try it again. Is Jesus under the hood, tinkering? Is Jesus troubleshooting here and experimenting, going, ah, Let's try that. How's that now? No? Okay, what else can we try? Is that what's going on here, friends? Is Jesus working things out on the fly? Is Jesus trying to figure out if he can crack the code to what's really going on with this guy's eye health? Didn't work? Let me try something a little bit different. (laughs) Left-handed. We got to lean in here, right? When the Bible has hard things, we don't skip verses. We lean in here. We go line by line and we say, okay, what do we know to be true? Let's take inventory. We know that Jesus doesn't have to touch or speak or even be in the same vicinity of a person to heal them. So we know, right? Number one, he's not tinkering. Everything obeys his will. Everything conforms to his will. And so whatever he's doing, we know he's not troubleshooting. We know he's not wrestling against the powers of uh, of sickness. Whatever he's doing, he's doing it as an object lesson for the disciples' benefit. All right? We saw this before with the deaf man. Why is he speaking? The deaf man can't hear him. No, no, he's making a statement. He's doing it to make a point. And so the question this morning is, what statement is Jesus trying to make by healing this man in stages? What point is Jesus trying to make by healing his blindness in stages? And here's the point. Jesus heals this blind man in a way that shows the disciples how he will heal them of their blindness. You get it? He is touching their blind eyes, just as he's touching their eyes. But they need to understand, they're not going to see it all at once. They're not going to get it all at the same time. He touches this man twice. He touches him multiple times, because that's how he's going to heal and work in them. Disciples, East Point Church, the veil Is lifting. The light is shining, but he's giving them understanding gradually. Insight is being gained in stages. Friends, they may be blind now, but don't sleep on my disciples. They may be blind now, but they will move from blind to dim to seeing everything clearly as Jesus continues. To touch them. And so don't be down on the disciples. Don't be impatient with the disciples. You understand their condition, right? Blind eyes and hard hearts. But you must also remember their cure. It's multiple touches from Jesus. Multiple touches from Jesus. Be patient with the disciples. And friends, when you look in the mirror, be patient with her. When you look in the mirror, be patient with him because we are all on a journey. Friends, this is how Jesus works in us. We are growing in insight. We are growing in understanding. Your spouse is growing in understanding. Your community group is gaining insight gradually. Your pastors don't see perfectly. But be patient. We're on a journey. And as surely as Jesus healed this man, he will heal the disciples of their spiritual blindness. And he will heal us of our spiritual blindness. How many of you in this room have ever been frustrated by how slow your progress has been, right? Put your hands in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. Because you do! How am I still struggling with this? How do I still not get this? And then it gets worse because you go into community group and homeboy to your right is quoting scripture like a machine because he's been reading the Bible since he was six. And you're like, ah. Who is the book of Mark written to? Remember? Come on, who is the book of Mark written to? Jews or Gentiles? Gentiles. Relatively speaking, Mark's audience is new to this. They're going to synagogue, and not only are they frustrated, they got 12-year-olds who can quote the entire Torah next to them. And they're like, wait, is the New Testament after or before the Old Testament? You know what I mean? Like, Mark's audience was frustrated by their lack of progress. Mark's audience was frustrated by how slow they were getting it. And it's as if Mark is saying here in our text, "Hi, guys, 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 you will continue to grow in your spiritual sight, just keep coming to Jesus. You will continue to grow in your understanding. Just keep letting him touch your eyes every day. Come to him in faith, for this is how it works. And on the days that you grow frustrated, consider how far you've already come. Things may look fuzzy. Things look like walking trees. But just yesterday, you were blind as a bat. Thank you, Jesus. Friends, you are not where you were. And a year from now, you won't be where you are. This is how it works. This is the cure, multiple touches from Jesus. Now, if I was in charge, if I were king for a day, it'd look a lot different. See, if I were God, I would have insight, crack like lightning, right? Off, off. On, boom, baby, last night my boys uh my wife and my three boys I have three sons uh seven, five, and three, right prayers for your pastor are appreciated, and we have this little like us. Uh, why are you laughing we have this uh we have this like little screen porch, you know, and we were sitting out last night roasting marshmallows over a candle okay and uh because it was a thunderstorm, and I just You know, being in the Northwest for the last decade of my life, I have missed thunderstorms. And so we're sitting there, and we're just watching it, and it's pitch black, right? Looking into the woods behind our house, and you'll see this, like, lightning strike where it's, like, seven bolts of lightning, and in a flash, all the trees become lit up, right? And I go, I wish it were like that. I wish you would just go from spiritual blindness. I see it all. But here's what we learned this morning. With Jesus... Insight doesn't strike like a crack of lightning. It comes like the rising dawn. Insight doesn't crack like lightning. It grows like the rising dawn. And as the morning light slowly dawns and peaks out over those hills, so too the rays of light and understanding are rising slowly on our spiritual eyes. And friends, one day, the sun will burst forth completely in all of its glory, and we will see it clearly when Jesus comes back in his radiant splendor. And on that day, we will see him in its fullness, and all of the imperfections will be wiped away, and we will scream in unison, we get it. But until then, it's slow. Until then, friends, the light of the world is dawning on our blind eyes. The light of the world is dawning on blind eyes. Lord, open my eyes. Touch my spiritual sight daily. Help me to see. And the church said, Amen. Amen. This is how Jesus heals this man. But after he heals him, he has one more thing to say to him. Look at the last line here. He sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter. The village. Go home, but I don't want you to spend any time in downtown. Why did he tell him this? Well, where were they? Look at the context. Where were they? What village were they in? Go back. They came to Bethsaida. What do you know about Bethsaida? Right? Well, let's see what the Bible tells us, right? Matthew chapter 11. Woe to you. This is not like, whoa, cool. This is W-O-E. It's like, whoa, whoa. Ooh, not good, right? This is a judgment woe, right? From the prophets. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. couple things here. Remember we went abroad? Remember we had a little road trip? What do we know about Tyre and Sidon? Pagan country. And Jesus is saying to Bethsaida now, you make Tyre look religious. You make Sidon look godly Ah, because all of these miracles are happening right here in Galilee and you're blind to them. And so we saw from the Pharisees last week this hard-hearted opposition. We learned this week that Seda is dripping with it. And so blind man, now that you see clearly, I want to encourage you, don't go back to Bethsaida. Now that you see the light, now that you see things more clearly, do not go back and dwell among those who are walking in the dark. Now you see in faith. Don't go and surround yourself with those who have hard hearts and blind eyes. Because being surrounded by people who are cynical to Jesus and openly challenging Jesus will not help you grow in your faith. Don't go back to the village. You see, friends, as Jesus touches your eyes, as you grow in spiritual insight and faith, are you going back to the village? Are you still surrounding yourself with people who encourage your faith or or discourage your faith or encourage your faith? I'm talking to you, East Point, you who are growing from blind to dim to seeing everything clearly. Are you still surrounded by those in the village who walk in darkness? And every follower of Jesus, you will experience this tension eventually where your old circle of belonging starts to feel different. There's a tension, right, where where the, the people that God has connected you to in this spiritual family, more and more you start to understand why they're called brothers and sisters. Because this really does feel like a family. And you have conversations that are hard. Like when you have to tell your friends, I'm not about that life anymore. You have conversations where you're made fun of, right? In 1 Peter, he talks about how all the Romans, their drinking buddies, would disparage them, saying, Come on, you're better than us now. They revile you because you don't partake in all the things you used to do. Following Jesus isn't for the easy, it isn't for the faint of heart. It isn't easy. And so there's this tension, right? Where we want to be on mission. We want to love the village. We want to reach the people in the village. We want the people in the village to know about Jesus. Yes. We don't live there anymore. Our spiritual zip code has changed for our home is no longer the things of this world. Our home is heaven. And so yes, just like Jesus, we still go on mission to the village. We still pray for the people in the village, but we don't live there anymore. Our home is in heaven. Why? Because the light of the world is dawning. On blind eyes. And so I ask you, friend, do you see him? Are things still blurry to you? Do you honestly, in your heart, do you want to see it all better? Good news, come to Jesus. Come and let him touch your blind hearts and your hard hearts daily, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, where you think that you see so clearly that you don't even need his touch anymore. Beware of the attitude that tricks you into thinking you have more to teach Jesus than you do to learn from him. If we humbly remember our condition, we will continue to come forward for the cure. We are those with blind eyes and hard hearts. But the good news is that Jesus will touch us. Come for the cure. He invites us to come, for the light of the world is dawning on blind eyes. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this truth. Thank you for these scenes, Father, where you capture so wonderfully just the true nature of our condition. And so, Lord, you love us anyway. You chose to associate with 12 blind men. Lord, you didn't choose the smartest. You didn't choose the wealthiest. You didn't choose those who had more seemingly to offer you. You came to blind men, to deaf disciples. And Father, in that we find so much hope and encouragement because we too are blind and deaf. So thank you for loving us. Thank you for choosing us and adopting us into your family. Would you change us? change us, Lord. Touch our eyes daily. May we begin every day on our knees before you saying, open my eyes that I may see you. For without you, Lord, our condition is hopeless. But with you, we have the hope of eternal life. We pray this all in Jesus' precious name. And the church says, We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.